You see, I, I may be able to drink okay and not be an alcoholic or abuse alcohol, but I don't know about my brother who's watching me if he's prone to alcoholism or not. So we should abstain from those things by way of the Word of God and not cause other people to stumble. In the meat he's talking about here was meat that was sacrificed to idols that people were eating and that was causing them to have problems with them eating that meat that was sacrificed to idols. And he says, better not to eat the meat then if it's causing these other people problems. Dive into a profound journey of faith and discovery as we bring you another empowering episode. In this installment, we revisit a captivating sermon delivered by Brother Mark Abney during our recent worship service. Join us as we delve into scriptures and unpack the timeless truths found in Mark chapter 9, verses 42 to 50, and Brother Mark's powerful sermon titled, Seriousness of Sin. Through insightful reflections, heartfelt worship, and uplifting fellowship, we are invited to deepen our understandings of God's Word and its transformative power in our lives. Whether you're tuning in for the first time or revisiting the sermon for renewed inspiration, we trust that you'll be enriched and encouraged on your spiritual journey. So grab your headphones, open your hearts, and let's embark on this transformative experience together. And now, Brother Mark. Chapter 9. I've entitled this message, The Seriousness of Sin. Mark 9, beginning in verse 41 through the end of the chapter. Would you stand as we read out of God's Word? For truly I say to you, whoever gives a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands and go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. For it is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. For it's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes and be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good. But if salt has lost its saltiness, how will it be made salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Would you pray with me? Father God, I pray that you would speak to us now through your word. And Lord, sometimes your word's uplifting. Sometimes it's encouraging. And sometimes it's convicting. And Lord, I just pray that your word would go forth and do the work that it's purpose to do. We open our hearts to it right now, that you may work in there, that we might be drawn to you, that your Holy Spirit might be made alive in us. And we'll give you the praise and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. 
One of the reasons I really like preaching verse by verse through the Bible is because we get to hear the whole word. We're not choosing and picking which parts we want to hear, but we're getting the full load of the word of God. And that is good for all of us. I don't think most pastors would put together a sermon series on a Sunday morning called The Seriousness of Sin. One of the things I like about Calhoun Baptist Church is your view of scripture and your hunger for biblical preaching. We took up a survey in CR about what, what would draw people to a church. And overwhelmingly, it was biblical preaching. So that's what we're going to get today. We're going to get the full word of God. Amen. We're not going to skip this section or water it down because Jesus cautions us to be careful about how we live. And here in Mark 9, 41 through 50, we encounter some stern words from Jesus. Last week, we talked about churches who do the Lord's work, but don't actually adhere to the same biblical doctrines as we do here at Calhoun Baptist. Jesus said, if they're doing his work in his name, let them be. Today, we're going to talk about getting serious with our sin in our lives and living out the cause of Christ in our life. First of all, we should live seriously free of sin and not cause others to sin because of us. Listen to the first half of verse 42. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin. Here, Jesus refers to the little ones as those who believe in him. He's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, back in the verse, verses before, he, taught, he got, grabbed a little child and he put them in right there in the, in the midst of them. And he said, you must become like this little child to enter the kingdom of God. But here, he's talking about children of God, little ones, the least of these that he also talked about in the verses before. And we know this because he uses a different word than he did when he had the child in the crowd. He uses the same word as he did in 1 John 2.28, and he said, Now little children abide in me. Here Jesus is talking about children of God, the least. As a church, you and I are called to receive the forgotten, the marginalized, the children, the orphans, the widows, the poor, the homeless, the disabled, the mentally challenged, those who are deaf and blind, those in prison, immigrants, persecuted, the addicted, refugees and minorities in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We are called as the church to receive all people. We should never pick and choose who comes to church. Amen? We are cautioned against causing even one of these believers to stumble or turn away from God. The word for sin here is scandalizo, which we get the word scandalize, and it means to offend, to entice, to entrap, to put a stumbling block in front of someone. Most of the time, we don't think about how our attitudes and our actions can cause others to sin. But in 1 Corinthians 10.32, it says, Give no offense to Jews or Greeks or to the church of God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 
All things are lawful for me, but all things are not beneficial. As believers, you and I have been liberated. We are free to do all things. Amen? Through Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit who lives in us. But we must be very careful how we walk and how we talk to others because they're watching us. Jesus cautions us to know how serious it is to cause another believer to stumble, saying it would be better for you if you had a millstone tied around your neck and you were cast into the ocean. Examples of action, uh, well, let's go back. A millstone is a stone that was a, a very large and heavy stone that was tied to an animal, and an animal went in a circle, and uh, the millstone went around in the middle, and it crushed the grain. It was a very, very heavy rock. He said, if, if you cause one of these little children to stumble, it would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and be thrown in the ocean. So it's serious, amen? Very serious business. So actions that might cause others to sin by not practicing what we preach, amen? By saying one thing but living another being a hypocrite. By not practicing what we preach, Matthew 23, 25, Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. Another way would be by gossiping. I always said if you feel like you have to gossip, just say something good about somebody. Amen? Feed the good grapevine. Matthew 23, or Proverbs 26, 20 says, For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisper or quarrel, cease. So just quit gossiping if that's you, if you have a problem with that. By, another way would be by, directing, um, by directly tempting someone to sin, asking someone to lie for you, for example. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 7, Woe to the world for temptation to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom temptation comes. So if it's coming through you to someone else and you're causing them to sin, then you need to stop. By involvement with sexual immorality, if you're a Christian, you're called to treat your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband or your wife with purity. And according to 1 Timothy 5.2, we're to consider older women as mothers and younger women as sisters and in all purity. If you're a Christian and you're living with your boyfriend or girlfriend or you're, you're living in sin, and you could also be causing those who are watching you to live in sin also. By using substances such as alcohol or drugs, you could be sending the message that it's okay for others to do the same. And Romans 14.21 said, It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. You see, I, I may be able to drink okay and not be an alcoholic or abuse alcohol, but I don't know about my brother who's watching me if he's prone to alcoholism or not. So we should abstain from those things by way of the Word of God and not cause other people to stumble. In the meat he's talking about here was meat that was sacrificed to idols that people were eating, and that was causing them to have problems with 
them eating that meat that was sacrificed to idols. And he says, better not to eat the meat then if it's causing these other people problems. By encouraging and equipping believers, by teaching false doctrine, we can lead people astray. 1 Timothy 1, 3-4, charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths or endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. By treating others unkind or wrong, we can cause rebellion or outburst of anger. Ephesians 6.4, Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. By not encouraging others, Hebrews 3.13, by but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. By not gathering together with God's people, that means by not going to church, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting meeting together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. As that day gets closer and closer, the church ought to be bigger and bigger. Amen? Am I my brother's keeper? Absolutely. I am my brother's keeper, and I need to be careful how I show myself in front of my brothers and sisters. My attitudes and my actions do affect other people, and so do my words. Secondly, Jesus speaks about the seriousness of our sin. He says to remove anything that causes you to sin. I must not ensnare others in my sin, but I also must be careful not to regard sin in my own heart. Jesus uses strong words to communicate that it's better to lose limbs or have an eye put out or, than it is to uh, spend eternity in hell. The most important decision that you and I will ever make in our life is to follow Christ. And anything we do that would keep others from doing that very thing is sin. And therefore, because Jesus paid such a high price to save us, we should be obedient to what he wants in gratitude and service that he might be honored in our lives and be free of sin because he made it possible. Verse 43 through 48 of our text, and it says, If your hand causes you to sin it off, for it's better to enter life crippled than with two hands and go to hell to the unquenchable, unquenchable fire. So we know from this verse, Jesus is talking about this real place called hell. He says, it's a place where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off, for it is better to, for you to enter life lame than to with two feet and be thrown into hell. So he speaks of the place called hell, which is a real place. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out, for it's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with twos and two eyes and be thrown into hell, where their worm, so every person in hell has their own worm that never dies. Their worm never dies, and the fire never goes out. Hell doesn't sound like a very pleasant place to me. How about you? Amen? The hand, the foot, the eye represent three big ways that we sin. The hand refers to our actions. The 
foot speaks about where we hang out and the eye talks about what we look at. Jesus wants you and I to deal seriously with our sins. He's obviously using a figurative speech when he says cut it off or tear it out. And we know that's the case because in Mark 7, 18 through 23, Jesus said the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. You could whack off your hand and gouge out your eye and still think of ways to sin, amen? But he says you need to change your heart. You need to have a heart that wants to be pure. And he calls for spiritual mortification because sin starts in our heart. We're to deal with sin very seriously. And that's why the Holy Spirit brings us to conviction. Too many times we become comfortable in our sin. There's a relationship, if there's a relationship that's causing you to sin, cut it off. If your feet are taking you to places that lead you to sin, stop going there. If you're looking at things that are wrong, or you're coveting what other people have, stop looking. If you're a serious disciple of Christ, you will seriously cut off the sin in your life. Her story about a man that came every time there was an invitation given and he would take the pastor's hand and he would say, I'm caught in the web of sin. And the next Sunday he would come forward and say the same thing, pastor, I'm caught in the web of sin. And they would pray the next Sunday the same thing. And finally the pastor said, let's pray to kill the spider. Amen. It's the sin that easily ensnares us that God wants us to remove. The word better is used three times in those verses to say it is better to cut off sin. Do you remember the movie 127 Hours? Does anybody remember that movie? It's a story about a man, a real true story about a man named Aaron Ralston who was hiking in eastern Utah in Arches, National Park in 2003 when he descended a canyon and an 800-pound boulder slipped down in the canyon and trapped his forearm in a rock between the rock and the canyon side. He was trapped for five days when he decided to take his pocket knife and cut his arm off and free himself. He then repelled nearly 70 feet and hiked for three hours before he was rescued. So here's a question. If you're faced with the same dilemma, would you be able to do what he did? He had no alternative. Either lose a limb or keep it and die. Kind of what Jesus said resonates a little bit in that story, amen? Colossians 3, 5 and 6 says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. The word hell is used three times in this passage, in verse 43, verse 45, and verse 47. The word is Gehenna. It was a city garbage dump outside of Jerusalem. The background is pretty gross. In ancient Israel, during the reign of King Ahaz and Manasseh, children were sacrificed to Molech in a pagan deity. 
Unfortunately, children are still sacrificed in our society today as well. These sacrifices near Jerusalem happened in a deep ravine that became known as Gehenna. The prophet Jeremiah spoke out against child sacrifice and King Josiah put an end to it, turning this valley into a city dump. The refuge from the city, including carcasses from animals and bodies of criminals, were deposited in the dump, and there was a fire that was lit that never went out in this valley to keep the trash from to keep the trash burning and consume it. It's constantly being fed with more and more garbage. When Jesus used the word hell, people often thought of this place called Gehenna because people considered Gehenna a cursed place of judgment and impurity. It came to be known as an illustration of hell. This image of extreme horror in hell is designed to imprint our minds with the reality of the never-ending punishment that goes on in this place. Are you aware that Jesus spoke more about hell in the Bible than he did about heaven? He did so because he loves you and he does not want you to go there. Hell is an actual place, Luke 16, 19 through 31. Hell is a place of eternal punishment and judgment in Matthew 25, 41. Hell is a place of divine wrath in Revelations 14, 10. Hell is a place of terrible torment in Luke 16, 23. Hell is filled with misery and pain in Revelations 14, 11. Hell is a place of unquenchable thirst in Luke 16, 24, and 25. Hell is a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth in Matthew 13, 42. Hell is where eternal separation from God happens in Thessalonians 1, 8, and 9. Now let's unpack verse 48. Or their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. The first thing to note is this quote from a Greek translation of Isaiah 66, 24. And they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of men who have rebelled against me, for their worm shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. Hell is eternal, and fire is absolutely unquenchable. It goes on forever, and those in it can never be satisfied or relieved of the torment. Note the phrase, their worm. Each worm is assigned to an owner in hell. The word worm is actually the word maggot and represents internal torment of the conscience of the knowledge of past sins as it gnaws away at the unending remorse and regret of not accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The unquenchable fire refers to an unending, unending external physical torment. Like the rich man in Lazarus in Luke 16, 24, he cried out, I'm in anguish in these flames. Somebody send someone down here with some water to touch the tip of my tongue. First, we're called to be careful so that we don't cause other people to stumble. Secondly, we're called to be free of our sin. Thirdly, in this text, we're called, we're called to live out the cause of Christ. Verse 49 and 50, 
for everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how will you be made salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. The word salt is used six different times in one form or another in this text. Embrace suffering and sacrifice. Salt and fire were key ingredients and sacrifices in the Old Testament in Leviticus 2.13. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. So when Jesus declares that everyone will be salted with fire, he's telling us that we are living sacrifices and we will be refined through trials and sufferings. Would you rather suffer the fires of hell eternally as a lost sinner or the temporary purifying fires of God as a sacrifice for His glory. I think I'll take the latter. Amen. Pursue purity. Verse 50 adds, salt is good. There was a saying in that culture that went like this, the world cannot survive without salt. In fact, the word salary comes from the soldiers, Roman soldiers who were paid their wages in salt. That's where the phrase, not worth your salt, comes from. Jesus continues, salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how will it be made salty again? You see, salt without any flavor is worthless. Do you have any impurities that are contaminating, contaminating your worthlessness? Spiritual influence, verse 50, ends, have salt in yourselves, meaning the the, to evaluate the amount of influence that you're having in the world around you. Salt is a condiment, a preservative, a flavoring, and an antiseptic. We need to live salty lives making people thirsty for Jesus. Too many of us keep our salt in the salt shaker instead of sprinkling it on our neighbors, our workplaces, or our community. The final word is to be at peace with one another. This completes the thought raised earlier in the passage when the disciples were arguing amongst themselves who was the greatest. You remember that story? And Jesus said, the least is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. As Christians, if we aren't at peace with one another, we won't be able to offer peace, the peace of God, to others who are seeking him. Quarreling Christians short-circuit our witness. In summary, here's what we've learned today. Avoid causing another follower of Christ or an unbeliever to sin. Cut off anything that causes you to sin and live out the cost of Christ. This morning, I want to pass on some salt. Just pass the salt, please. Amen. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then here is the salt that Jesus offers. Hell is where every person is headed unless Christ rescues them. Jesus said people will be thrown or cast into the lake of fire. Listen, you don't have to go to hell because Jesus had made, has made every provision for you not to go there. All he asks is that you open your heart's door and let him in he will come in and save you and give you eternal life in heaven, change your destiny forever. This morning, 
If you've come and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation. You do that by praying a simple prayer and you say, God, I believe that Jesus is your son and I believe that he died on the cross for me and that you raised him from the dead. I want him to come and live inside of me and be Lord of my life and take me to heaven when I die. And if you pray that simple prayer, Jesus comes into your heart and saves you, forgives you of all your sins and cleanses you and you become a child of God and your destiny is heaven forever. Ezekiel 18.23 says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, and not rather that he should turn from his way and live. Will you turn from your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ so that you will live and live forever? As believers, it's time to cut off every sin that so easily clings to us and not run the race that's set before us with endurance looking unto Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. It's time to repent so that we don't lose our saltiness. You see, casual Christianity will lead to Christian casualties, and dead Christians will never change the world. Do you have any spiritual erosion going on? Have you been compromising? There's no such thing as a small sin. Every sin is before God and it causes us to lose our saltiness. Have you been coasting? There is a sin of omission and complacency, so if you're not salty like God has called you to be, it's time to get up and get going, amen? And when you give in to sin, you don't become unsalted in a day. It's a slow fade. It's a slow fade. Sin will erode your relationship with God, will cause you to become ineffective in the world, and your witness will slowly go away. Would you stand with me and pray? Lord, you've spoken to us through your word this morning. And it's a tough verse because it calls us all to search our hearts. It calls all of us to listen to your spirit who is within us and say, Lord, if you find any wickedness in me, any sin, please let me know so that I can repent of it. And as we repent of our sin and as God gives us a clean heart, our witness becomes more effective. Our stand on Jesus Christ becomes more bold in this world. Our prayers make it to the throne. The prayer of a righteous man does much work, the Bible says. And righteousness and holiness are one and the same. That we should be free of sin. And Jesus has made every provision for you and I to be free. We just ask him to forgive us and we repent. We turn and go away from our sin. We hate our sin. That is repentance. God is calling all of us to the place of repentance. 
to the place of righteousness and holiness that Jesus has paid the price for, that we might be effective in our witness. As believers, it is of utmost importance that our witness is effective because God has placed us in this world in different places to be his witness and he has commissioned us to go and tell the world about him. And if we've compromised, if we're living in sin, we become ineffective as witnesses for Christ. So let us come to the altar of God. Any place that you meet with God is an altar. And let us come to this place, this altar in our life and repent and be free of the sin that easily ensnares us and run the race that's set before us with endurance as Christ did, that we might be the effective witness that he's called us to be. Help us not to cause other people to stumble and help us to watch carefully how we live, that people might see Christ in us. Help us to love others with the love that God has placed in us because they will know we are his by our love. Lord, we need you every day. And we thank you for Jesus who paid the price for our sins that we might be free. We thank you for the liberty of salvation that you give us, the freedom to live. And not under the law, but you placed your law in our hearts that we might know everything that you want us to know. Lord, I pray that during this invitation time, if there's one person that has never accepted you as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of salvation for them. That as believers, if we've caused other people to stumble, that we might repent, we might go to them and ask their forgiveness and set the, set the record straight. That if uh, there's sin that we're regarding in our heart, that we might turn from that sin this morning and live pure. And we'll give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll be singing page 309. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this week's podcast. Our prayer is that if you are touched by this message, that you will respond with action. If you would like to accept Christ as your Lord, we ask that you pray the following prayer. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I do not deserve eternal life but I believe that you died and rose from the grave to make me a new creation and to prepare me to dwell in your presence forever. Jesus, come into my life, take control of my life, forgive my sins, and save me. I am now placing my trust in you alone for my salvation, and I accept your free gift of eternal life. If you prayed this prayer with us today, then you know that you are truly saved. We'd love to hear from you so that we might connect in a meaningful way encouraging you to be active in the local church and share the same saving message of Jesus Christ. Please feel free to contact our pastor, visit our church, or find a Bible-believing local congregation near you. However you respond, please let us know.